How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, back at it again. And we're going to continue on our study of the Gospel of Mark. And we are in chapter 6, and we got up to verse 31. So we'll pick up there. Alrighty, so please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. Grab your tea, grab your coffee. We're going to be studying the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, and we're picking up at verse 31, continuing on the story here. And uh, we see what what has happened, uh, what has transpired previously uh, with uh, John the Baptist, uh, King Herod, ta uh, taking him, and uh, because of the... Uh, the absolute paganism of, of his uh, uh, adulterous uh, not wife <laughs> and she was uh, Herodias was uh, Herod's brother's uh, wife and he took her so we see an adult adultery uh, going on here and uh, we see his uh, daughter danced and pleased him and he offered whatever she wanted and she went to her mother and she wanted the head of John the Baptist they see the hate of those that uh, proclaim the word of God, the hate of God there, the absolute heathenry and uh, hate of God. Again, it was it comes down to is it, why do people oppose the faith? Why do they oppose the prophets? Why do they oppose Jesus? Because they hate God. Now, how do we know this? It's, it's the same as with the, with the cults and with atheism and everything else. It's because they hate the god of the bible we see in romans 1 18 and 25 it clearly states this it clearly explains this and uh we see pre uh, prior to this you see jesus sending out his disciples and the, uh, sending them out uh, with just what they had on their person and uh, just go and learn to rely on the lord learn to live by faith learn to trust in the spirit of god to provide anything and everything that you don't have to worry about anything the spirit of the lord will provide and help and guide and teach and instruct and provide so you don't need to worry and we're, we're going to see an example of this again whenever jesus would make a statement uh, a very uh, clear concise statement like this we always see him giving uh uh, practical examples see the theory and the practical the theory is the learning like that like that like book work kind of kind of thing instruction and the practical is the hands-on so when Jesus ma makes a statement he always backs it up and proves it it's a really interesting thing so whenever you see Jesus say something uh, look for uh, where he he did this he proved it okay so um, also FYI uh, before we get going we're just doing a, the uh our overview and uh announcements if we have any um i'm not going to be here tomorrow so sorry uh just uh, uh we have a previous engagement going on uh we're uh, we're going away uh tomorrow so i'm going to be gone all day so there is not going to be um any q a's or anything like that going on tomorrow so it's going to be postponed uh so sorry about that so please make sure you schedule that down i just want to make sure you're aware of that Alrighty, so here we are gospel of mark chapter six 
Go grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. You need to follow along. You need to write these things down. Now, some people say, well, I don't really use notepads, and I don't really know how how to do that, or what's the point of it? Well, there's a few reasons. One, it helps keep you engaged. Helps keep you engaged so that you're not sitting there like it happens a lot of times some people and your mind starts wandering, you start daydreaming, you start thinking about something else. No, but if you have your notepad and pen, it keeps you engaged. You write down the reference, write down the title, write down interesting points that come up. Uh, if you think of other passages of scripture or other thoughts of something that goes along with what you're studying, write it down and you keep a list of all these things. And the same as when you were in school, you took notes. You need to take notes for the exam. What's the exam? further study of the word of god it just uh, strengthens and helps uh your learning all this so it's really good to take notes so if you are able to try to get in the habit of that okay here we go enough delay mark chapter 6 verse 31 actually back at verse 30 and the apostles gathered themselves together unto jesus and told him all things both of what they had done and what the, what they had taught so we see Jesus had sent them out to what? To preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. To go out to preach. And uh, verse 12, And they went out and preached that men should repent. And there are people that will tell you, you don't need to repent, you don't need to repent. Well, yeah, you do. The Bible is full of this all the way back through the old testament all the way up through the new testament it's all about repentance of sins no, it's not about repentance of sins yes it is because what has separated us from god jesus went to the cross why he died on the cross he shed his blood why for your sins what is keeping you from going to heaven your unbelief which is what sin there you go so it's all about sin and Jesus didn't die on the cross. You could get a new Mercedes and you could get a big fat bank account. And Jesus didn't die on the cross. So you could live your best life now. Jesus didn't die on the cross. So you could be healthy, wealthy, rich, and powerful. Jesus didn't die on the cross just for no reason. He died on the cross. He shed his blood and died, was buried, rose again for your sins, for salvation from your sins, to be redeemed from your sins. Because you're dead in trespasses of sins. So they went everywhere and preached that men should repent. Repent and believe the gospel, as Jesus says. God calls all men everywhere to repent. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So this is what the word of God says. So anyone who says you don't need to repent is, clearly doesn't know the Bible. So they went and they preached and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs, following Mark 16, verse 20. So again, we talk about this. About how the Lord works with it, He goes with, He's at your side, and He backs up what you are saying. When what you are saying is in the fear of the Lord and the truth of God, in uh, in line with the words of Christ, it's the message of heaven. The Lord blesses that. He blesses the truth. He blesses righteousness. He blesses the word of God. So the word of God goes out, and He blesses this, and it's manifested the blessing and the power of this. You speak in the spirit of God. And the Lord, Lord will, will bless the hearers, those who receive, those who listen, and it will become evident to them. So they come, they come back after a while, 
and they tell Jesus all about this. They're all excited. They come run up, Master, Master, you should have seen it. And uh, I was over here preaching this, and this many people came, and you should have seen the devils are subjected to us, and and about the healings and everything else they're doing. They're so excited. And there's a, there's a lesson that Jesus then brings up that is very very important. And what is that? Holy rest. Holy rest. Verse 31. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Rest a while. You need to uh, get some rest. You need to take some time and just gather your thoughts and just to... It, just come aside here and get away from everything and just... Uh, relax the lord said this the lord teaches this some people think uh, no you, you get all the sleep you need when you're dead <laughs> that kind of an attitude uh, they work themselves ragged they hardly sleep they uh, they're working uh, uh, burning both ends of the candle the lord says no you, you need to look after yourself and as your body is the temple of the living god you should care for the temple you should care for it um, and you're so busy, you're not able to care for the temple, it's going to start to uh, have problems. It's going to start cracking and falling apart and everything else. And just like us, you're going to start falling apart. You need to, you need to protect yourself. There is a famous old preacher, uh, Robert Murray McShane. I mentioned him before. Uh, he uh, was... How old? How old was he? He was young. I think he was in his 20s. And he died young because he literally worked himself to death he didn't he didn't uh, sleep enough he didn't look after himself enough and he literally worked himself to death on the mission field and he, and uh, he and on his deathbed he says god gave me a message to carry and a horse to ride and i've killed the horse we need to be mindful of this and we need to look after ourselves. We can't neglect ourselves in, in, in proper care, in proper biblical godly care. Um, and that uh, holy rest is a, is a proper and right thing. Um, this isn't really something that, uh, that is taught much. It's not really taught much, but it is a principle in Scripture. Where, uh, where when you're feeling over, just overworked, overdrawn, and you're just worn out, something like this, we see even with the Lord doing this with Elijah, where he told Elijah to rest, and he even sent, sent his angel to <laughs> make Elijah a cake. I love that story. That is one of the one of the greatest stories of Scripture. That when you're worn out, what does God say to have a nap, eat some cake? So I love that. So we, we see here is is just to relax and be at peace, to be at peace, uh, to, to just breathe and just come apart and rest a while. Well, how long? So you're ready to go again in your right mind. You're at peace. You're relaxed. This is, this is something that uh, the Lord wants us to understand, that, that we can't serve the Lord properly when we're all worked we're all just great big giant stress bubbles we're just filled with anxiety and everything else you you can't serve the lord properly and you're not depicting the peace of god you need to be calm cool collected right mind at peace and if you're not then you need to go apart and rest a while and pray about it you need to fast and pray so when you're feeling just uh uh 
the world is coming down on you and you just you you can't sleep right you can't rest and you're just stressed out of your mind take some time off go for a walk take a vacation just have a staycation just lock the doors unplug the phones and just spend some time alone and just relax that's what the lord teaches and also we see and we can we can actually apply to this uh, similarly when it comes down to environment when your environment is negative stressful wicked or whatever else that your environment is something that that is destroying your peace destroying your ability and and you can't function leave get out of it switch it up we see it's in matthew chapter 10 those that will not receive you nor hear the words which you say leave walk away don't play the martyr uh, uh the martyr card is not taught in the bible it's not something we seek not something we should look for if it happens it happens but we should avoid it we should run from it we should get away from it the word of god teaches it it teaches it that that when individuals are in opposition leave don't stay there and feel that you have to be the doormat where they just walk all over you and rip you to pieces leave when the opposition comes and they're, they're hating it don't stay there don't fight with them don't bicker with them don't try to reason with them if they are opposing the lord and they don't want to hear it leave that's what it says now look what it says in verse 31 mark 6 31 and he said unto them come ye yourselves apart into a desert place that means away from everything get away from everything for a while and rest a while for there were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat look what it says they couldn't even look after themselves properly because there was just so much work and it was just so busy that's what, that's what it says what did jesus say to do to deal with that walk away for a bit just throw your phone in the pond throw your hands in the air walk into the trees and don't come out until you're calmed down that's that's what it says and verse 32 and they departed into a desert place by ship privately so they picked a location they're going to go they got in the boat and they left some people say well uh, you can't leave you can't leave people behind there's people they, they they're in need they're in need then why did jesus say walk away how can you help people if if you're not being helped if you're not seeking help or if you can't gain that help and you're burning out you can work longer for the lord if you look after yourself you could do a whole lot in a short amount of space and die <laughs> or you could play play the long game you plan plan for the long road you got to space it out you got to pace you got to pace it pace it out and they departed into a desert place by ship privately and the people saw them departing and the people were there and they saw them leaving they saw where they were going the people saw them departing and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities and outwent them and came together unto him so they saw where they were going and they figured out where, where they were headed and they beat them there the crowd beat them there they told everybody and people came from all the cities and everything that was to say and ran afoot thither out of all cities just multitudes and multitudes and multitudes coming out of all cities and out went them and came together unto them 
Now, the point here, what we see is Jesus is trying to teach his disciples about holy rest and is trying to give them a break. Now, they did a lot of work. And what they did was fantastic, a beautiful work for the Lord, blessed of God. They went and preached and taught and worked in the name of the Lord. They did a lot, in the, and the Lord Jesus is, is rewarding them uh, with some time off here. And now it looks like they just can't. They, they're going, and the crowds come and meet them where they, where they were going. So what does Jesus do? You see, put yourself with the disciples there. You're burned out. You're tired. You did a lot of work. A lot was going on. A lot of spiritual battles. A lot of a lot of teaching and helping and witnessing and evangelizing. And and you're looking forward to some time just alone with Jesus. And the work follows you. Work follows you. Sometimes it happens with us. Work follows us home. And where generally you leave your work at work and, and when you're and you're home you have time off but now it's you're bringing it home with you it, it just you can't get away from it the phone doesn't stop ringing the messages just keep coming in the people keep coming up the door keeps knocking and it just it doesn't stop you can't get away that's the example here so what does the lord do verse 34 and jesus when he came out of the ship when he came out of the ship saw much people was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things he began to teach them not his disciples the lord will look after it you trust in the lord and you look to him and you lean on the lord with all thine heart you lean on unto thine own understanding but in all thy ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. We see here the Lord, it, it steps up and takes the charge to allow his disciples a moment of rest. They could just sit down, rest, relax, listen. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things and when the day was now far spent uh, uh, the whole day has gone by people are all there listening to jesus disciples are sitting there the whole day is now gone by and when the day was now far spent his disciples came unto him and said this is a desert place now what does that mean by was it actual like desert sand dunes no what this means is an it is a set-apart, isolated, uh, wilderness kind of area, out in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. Fields out in the middle of the woods kind of kind of idea. It's off the beaten path. There's no buildings around. There's no city nearby. It's out in the middle of nowhere. That's what that means. And this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Now the disciples, well, what, have, what have they learned? What are they doing here? You see, when you start serving the Lord and looking to the Lord, living for the Lord, you learn to die to self, put the Lord first. And, it, and in this, you will notice what happens is you start to think of others first. Because what are they saying? 
for they, the people, have nothing to eat. That shows observance. They are observing the crowd and they're looking and, and they're taking note of things. You see, discernment. Discernment, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. And they're looking and they're noticing the people don't have anything. And it's a long way. And it's been a long day. They have nothing to eat. Because what will happen, they'll start getting hungry and we start seeing some possibly problems. And Jesus turns and says, says to them, and Jesus answers and to them, give ye them to eat. Why don't you give them something to eat then? See, again, you can't, you can't complain about a problem unless you have a solution and how to fix it. So there's a lesson here that Jesus is even teaching this. You can't complain about a problem unless you have a solution how to fix it. And it doesn't matter what the problem is. Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Now, if we cheat here a little bit, we go ahead, we see there's over 5,000 people. That's a lot of food. That's an awful lot of food. Shall we go and buy, and buy uh, 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Verse 38, Jesus says unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. How, what do you have? What do you have at your disposal? How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they said, Five loaves and two fish. Now this is interesting. Come back to this. Five loaves and two fish. Now this seems like nothing. Looks like nothing. I have little at my disposal. And we could use examples of either little faith. Or you have a little bit of provision in your own cupboard. You have a little bit of money. You have a little bit of whatever. Or you yourself uh, are, are only able to do a little bit of work or whatever, whatever that, that is able to be done. The point here is that what you have at your disposal technically does not belong to you anyways. You're just the caretaker of that which God owns. You're just looking after these things. Even the clothes on your back, you do not own. God owns. You're just a caretaker. You're just borrowing from the Lord for a while. So, how many loaves have ye? Now, it, the parallel passage of this is John chapter 6 and verses 1 to 14. John chapter 6 verses 1 to 14. We see here, uh, a bit more details and going along this because there's an important verse here in, in John chapter 6 verse 6 where Jesus says uh, when Jesus asked them uh, you know what do you give them to eat at uh, verse 6 and this he said to prove him to prove prove himself to prove him for he himself knew what he would do that is so important we forget that for he himself knew 
what he would do. The Lord already had it worked out. Before the disciples even said to him, Master, we should send the people away to go get something to eat for the day is far spent and they're going to be hungry. Jesus already knew this. He was already aware of this. He already had a plan. He had a plan for this situation long before the world was, was even standing. He himself knew what he would do. So in this, there's a, the lesson is don't panic. Don't worry about it. I, I I think it was the preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who said, faith is refusal to panic. Faith is refusal to panic. So if I can kind of tack this on to the previous message, I was talking about, about going out and serving the Lord and don't worry about it. It's because the Lord already has it worked out on what, what's going to be done. He's already completed the chess game. We're just watching the replay, so to, so to speak, in a way. Where the Lord is already knows what he's going to do. He's already 500 million steps ahead of us. <laughs> he's infinite steps ahead of us. He knows exactly how to fix the problems and, and, and solve, the, solve the issues. We don't have to worry about it. Faith is refusal to panic. You say, well, 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 I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, it reminds me of a story. Now, I can't remember the names of the preachers. But there's, uh, there's a story my dad told me a while back. When my dad went to Bible school years ago, um, he was told this story from one of the Bible teachers. That, that uh, they were going to have a special conference. And they had asked this one preacher guy. He's a, he was an evangelist. Uh, a powerful revival preacher. And they had asked him to come and speak at the conference. So it came time for, for, the, for them to go and pick up the preacher. And the, and the, the teacher went to go pick up the uh, special speaker. And it picked him up at the airport. And on the way back, they stopped at a restaurant for something to eat. Now, the thing is, neither of the, these two men, neither of these two uh, men had any money. And each of them somehow thought that the other was going to pay for it. <laughs> so you can see the dilemma. So they sit down, they order something to eat. And the special speaker stands up and kneels down, kneels down in the middle of the restaurant, in the middle of the aisle, kneels down at his chair and gives thanks to the Lord for the food out loud so the whole restaurant can hear it. Gives thanks for the food, gives thanks for the fellowship, gives thanks for everything going on and and asks it all to be blessed in the name of the Lord Jesus and get they gets up and sits down and they begin to eat well at the other end of the restaurant there's a family sitting there and the the the, the dad waves the waitress over the waitress comes over and the guy says give me their bill he was a christian 
and he paid for both of those uh, preachers' dinners. Now, what is the lesson in this? Worry not, fear not, doubt not, that when a need arises, when a need arises, the Lord will help you work it out. He'll work it out in ways that, that you wouldn't even think. You don't have to worry about it. The point is you don't have to worry about it. It reminds me, uh, something that the Lord, Lord did for me a, a few years back. We were uh, on uh, hard times at, at the at the at the time, and uh, I had just left my previous job uh, due to certain circumstances, and uh, and we were kind of living on our savings, and we we started to get kind of in a, a, a money crunch, and our car, as is always the kids, the cars, the cows, uh, the car uh, needed some uh, some important fixes it had to be done uh, so we had to take the car to the uh, to the mechanic and we dropped it off and we asked them for the quote and they looked at looked at it and it was going to be a few hundred dollars and i didn't know how we we're going to pay for it i didn't tell anyone i didn't tell anyone that it that this is going on this needed to be done uh, uh how much it was or whatever and uh, so we're on our way back uh actually uh coming back from prayer meeting and uh, I, I was dropped off at the uh, at the shop and i'm walking up to the door and i'm saying lord i don't know how i'm going to pay for this i don't know what to do i so i walk in i walk up to the counter and the receptionist is on the phone and she's talking to someone and going on. I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm standing there. And finally, she looks up and she holds her hand over the receiver and says, says are you Matthew? I'm like, yeah. I go, okay, just one sec. And she reaches over, grabs paper, grabs my car key, hands it to me, says, there you go. I'm like, okay. And I just pull my visa out of my wallet. I'm like, okay, I guess we'll put it on visa. She says, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. Someone's already come in and paid it off. I don't know. I have no idea who it was. <laughs> I didn't ask anyone for help on that one. I, just, I was just praying about it. But someone came in and paid it off. Um, and another time, is uh, around the same time, um, some of you might remember uh, uh, we used to have a our, our old dog Joker. Uh, she was a, a rescue greyhound. Um, when we, uh, shortly after we got her, we noticed she had some health problems. We had to take her to the vet, and we didn't have any money to, for this, but it had to be done. And uh, so I took her to the vet, and they're looking after. Her, and when it was all all done, the bill came, and I nearly fainted, as vets are always so overpriced it was over five hundred dollars i'm nearly having a panic attack because i have no idea how we're gonna pay this and so the thing is is that 
but uh, we we had really wanted a dog, but we didn't have money for one. So we literally prayed uh, about this. We had an idea of the kind of dog we liked, and the kind, even the coloring. To even we wanted a, a, a female greyhound of this uh, the of the fawn brindle color, and we're praying about it. And guess what? Uh, that a a a female greyhound uh, fawn brindle coloring was available and someone paid for it paid for the dog the dog was gifted to us the dog was gifted to us and so the lord provided it even and so this is the lord's dog and this is how i always treated it always looked at it in this way that it's the lord's dog i'm looking after the lord's dog and so, so i'm i'm nearly panicking leaving the vet and I'm driving, driving back home, and I pick up the receipt. Well, I'm driving, I pick up the receipt, the bill, and I say, Lord, I'm really sorry, but this is your bill, because I have no idea I'm going to pay this. By the end of the day, someone, I didn't tell anyone, other than my wife, I didn't tell anyone. But, at, but by the end of the day, a couple people had donated some money that literally came to the penny of the bill. And people say there's no God. That if there's no God, who's answering my prayers? If there is no God, who's doing this? How is this happening? And there have been so many miracles. There have been so many examples down through time of the Lord providing out of the compassion of his own heart. His, his compassion upon us. Where it reminds me, the one I, I know I've shared this before, but, but like my dad says, pretend you've never heard it. <laughs> when I was little, uh, uh, me, my, my family went on vacation to the, uh, way up in Northern Ontario on this lake. There is this little, uh, place that had a couple little, uh, like, uh, rustic, uh, cottages. I mean, rustic as in plywood walls. <laughs> it, it, it was awesome. We had so much fun going to those places. It was just, it, it was just a, a plywood wall cabins. Uh, it was a little, uh, just some fishing cabins. We would stay there for a few days to go fishing on the lake. It was so much fun, especially as a little kid. And me and my dad went out on the lake or on our boat. There, uh, to get there from our camp, we were up on a hill. We had to go down a long flight of stairs, across a highway, down a whole bunch more flight of stairs to go down to the docks. And so we're, my dad and I are out on the lake and we're fishing. And we look up and we see a huge storm rolling in. And we know this is going to be really bad. It's black. It's a horrible storm. So we start booting it back and it starts pouring like crazy. Uh, we have the awning up on the boat. And we're booking it. We finally get back to the docks so and we're kind of pinned in our boat because it's just coming down so hard. And we have our FRS radios, our fish finders, some other electronics with us and we can't get them wet. So we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And this is like a three-day three rain this is what it looks like it's going to be or something. It's just not letting up. And uh, so Dad looks over and he says, well, let's pray. So he prays that the Lord would uh, 
and continue to bless and protect us while, while we're here and uh, thanks the Lord for, for uh, this time and ask the Lord if the Lord would hold the rain until we could get back to our cabin. Then he elbows me and says, okay, now your turn. So I, I start praying and like dad, I asked the Lord if he could hold the rain till we could get back to our, our cabin. And no sooner had we said, amen, we literally watched the rain just die out. We grabbed all our stuff and we started booking it up the flight of steps, across the highway, up the huge flight of steps, Rundo ran over to our cabin. And I swear, as soon as the door slammed behind us, the rain just came back down, just a full torrent, just boom, all came back down. It was like the Lord went like this with his hand, just caught all the rain, said, come on, let's get going. And as soon as we, as soon as the door slammed, boom, dumped it. Because we, what did we ask him? If he would hold the rain till we could get back to our cabin. And that is literally what the Lord did. There are so, so many examples I could share of this. But the, the point here, as we see, as the Lord had compassion. The Lord has compassion on those that fear him, the, those that honor him. The Lord delights in the joy of his saints. The, the Lord so, so loves us. He is our shepherd. We're his sheep. Does the shepherd not care for his sheep? And what does we see here in verse 34? And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, was moved with compassion toward them because why? They were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them. He began to call them in. And he, be, and he began, began to care for them, to comfort them. And then we see another need arises. A need arises. Food. Food and water. And he answered, it says, give ye them to thee. So he turns to his disciples, try, trying to help them to learn as faith is refusal to panic because they saw a need. Now they just need to need instead of, ju of just seeing the needs. We need to stop just focusing on the needs. We need to start focusing on the solution. That it doesn't matter how absolutely impossible it may be. You're standing in front of a dry desert boulder. Lord, I need something to drink. And he brings it from a rock. <laughs> to even Peter. Peter is in is in a fortress, a Roman fortress, arrested by Roman soldiers. A whole platoon of soldiers have taken him, chained him up, took him into the Roman fortress prison, into a deep dungeon cell with guards out front of the door, behind a great big dungeon door, and he is chained on both sides to extra Roman soldiers in the cell. Absolutely impossible. Can't be done. Or can it? 
no no solution sorry no no problem no no scenario no issue is impossible it doesn't matter what's going on because what happens what do the saints do the saints knew that peter was arrested and that he was to be executed so what did they do they prayed they all prayed they all fasted and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed they all started praying and begging of the lord there's a need there's a need lord would you help us the lord had compassion when the lord do sent his angel who walked in and all the roman soldiers were put into a deep sleep they had no idea what was going on the angel walks up to peter kicks him in the ribs wait to wake him up that's what it says because peter was in a deep sleep peter wasn't even worried he wasn't even worried you know why he had he had an audience for his preaching that weren't allowed to leave <laughs> so hey it's just it's just a change of environment he's he just he keeps serving the lord keeps trusting in the lord it doesn't matter what it is like like uh paul and silas in the dungeon what they do they didn't worry they started singing and preaching hey these other prisoners they can't go anywhere so what are they gonna do they can't leave they can't come over here and make me stop so yeah start serving the lord so the angel woke him up knocked the chains off him the chains fell off the door opened by its own and they walked out past all the guards who didn't even see what's going on and they walk up to the great fortress entrance gate and it says it opened on its own and he walked out to his freedom the lord is able the lord is able it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter what it is you need the words to say you, you need help comfort wisdom provision protection what is it the point is faith is refusal to panic faith is refusal to panic the flesh will panic the flesh will doubt the flesh will worry the flesh will hate the flesh will be negative the flesh will despise but that's the flesh we don't listen to the feelings of the flesh don't listen to your feelings it's not about the feelings it's not about the sensations it's not it's not about the opinions it's about the absolute fact of truth that god is able and it does not matter what the situation is it does not matter what the circumstance is it doesn't matter where you are in the middle of the desert middle of the sea doesn't matter it doesn't matter how many are with you. Well, now what are we supposed to do? Go and buy 200 penny worth of bread? That would be even insufficient for this multitude. You see, they're still thinking in limitations. They're still thinking in physicality. They're still thinking by physical observation. There are 5,000 people. That's 5,000 mouths and tummies that need to, uh, need to be filled. How are we going to handle that? They're not thinking spiritually yet. Yes, they're being discerning. They're, they see the need. They can see what's going on. But they're not thinking in, a, in spiritual solutions. You don't need 200 penny worth of bread. You don't even need 200 pennies. 
What you need is Jesus Christ. That's all you need. Because do the sheep feed the sheep? Or does the shepherd feed the sheep? Do the sheep protect the sheep? Or does the shepherd protect the sheep? Who's the one that does the providing? Because what's the key here? What do we see? Well, in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who gives his life for his sheep. My sheep hear my voice and they know me and I know them and they know me and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. Now that's interesting. Because as we see here in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says, when, when they saw they had five loaves and two fish, he says in verse 39, in Mark, Mark 6, 39, and he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the grass. To all sit down on the, what? Grass. You think this is coincidence, folks? Do you think that any of this is coincidence? Because if we go back to the book of Psalms and go to Psalm 23, what did Jesus say? I am the good shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Be in want of nothing. I will not cause thee to be a beggar. All needs will be met. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. What's that? Green grass. He makes me to lie down in the grass. And he made them to sit down in the grass. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Where did they just step out of? The water. He restoreth my soul. And he taught them. He had compassion and he taught them. He restored the souls. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, which he was doing to the crowd for his namesake. This he did because he knew what he would do to prove himself. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. This he did to prove himself. That those that would deny, those that those which would reject, those who would refuse him would see who he was because of what he could do. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. The blessings of God will just overflow. The blessings of God will overflow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I am the good shepherd. This he did to prove himself. This, For he himself knew what he would do. How would he know what he would do? Because he's God. Because Jesus is God. And there is none else. There is no other name higher than him. Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh, who so loves you. He made a way for you to just believe on him and thou shalt be saved. We see the great compassion, the great compassion. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. Psalm 23 makes them lie down in green pastures. 
He's not worried. The shepherd knows what he's going to do. The sheep have no idea where they're going. The sheep have no idea where the food is, where the water is, or where they're going to lay down, or what's going on. The sheep have no idea how, how to protect. You know, sheep, sheep themselves do not have natural self-defense mechanisms. Think about that one. Sheep can't protect themselves. Who protects? Who guides? Who feeds? Who provides? The shepherd. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. Now what we see here as well is Jesus told his disciples, go and make them sit down. Time. Again, this would have taken a while. How long would it have taken to go down to get everyone's attention? Have everyone come and sit down in groups like this. Then they come up back up to Jesus. He made them and they sat down in ranks by hundreds of fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish. Now, again, I said, I come back to this. Do you think it's coincidence that it was five loaves and two fish? Do you think that is coincidence? What do the fish, what, what does the fish represent? Disciples. You know, you know, the, the, this, the, the, the fish symbol that symbolizes Christianity, that two fish, what did Jesus set them out by what twos? He set them out by twos. And how many loaves? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. Five loaves. The bread of God. Five is the number of grace. In the word of God, we see uh, see uh, the meanings of numbers in the Bible. Where 40 is the number of judgment. 50 is the number of jubilees. Five is the number of grace. 12 is the number of perfect ju- uh, perfect government. 13 is the number of rebellion. 6 is the number of man. We see see here as well, there's five loaves, which is grace. The grace of God, the bread of God, by the grace of God, bestowed by the disciples from the mouth of Jesus. There's such a picture here. Plus, 5 and 2 is 7. 7 is, the, is God's perfect number. Do you think it was just chance luck coincidence no when it comes to the service of jesus christ when it comes to serving the lord and walking with the lord there's no such thing as chance luck or coincidence there's no such thing no such thing five loaves two fish so jesus takes it takes the five loaves and two fish when he taken the five loaves and two fish he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples now let me ask you a question here does grace have a limit does grace have a limit no Where did all the bread come from? Him. How? Did, did, was suddenly he blessed and suddenly there was just a mountain of bread? 
No. There's five loaves and two fish. He broke the bread and dispersed. It replenished. It replenished. It kept replenishing. It kept replenishing. It kept replenishing. The grace of God is endless, boundless, infinite. It, it wouldn't have mattered if there were 5,000 or 7 billion people. It would never have run out. Just like the widow woman with Elijah, who Elijah blessed her for her service, and, and she all she had was a little bit of oil and a little bit of meal left. And Elijah says, worry not, for your jar of oil and your barrel of meal will never run out. What happened? It never ran out. During the whole rest of the famine, it never ran out. And just like the other woman who, uh, whose son was going to be taken by the collectors and they were going to take, take her son into slavery and she, she begged of, of, uh, of the prophet to help and the prophet showed her to, to gather up all the jars that you can and bring them here and take your jar of oil and fill them all up. So she started doing it. She trusted and she went and started doing it. And she found that her jar of oil did not run out, but she filled up every single other person's jar. Because why? Because God replenished. Because God blessed. We say, no, that's impossible. You're right. It is. And that's the point. With men, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Well, it's not scientifically possible. And if you just had any logic, well, you're not thinking spiritually. You're only thinking physically. You only see physical jars, physical oil, and you don't see the hand of God who spoke the universe into existence is able to miraculously provide. Miracles is the movement of the Spirit of God upon a situation. For he provides, he replenishes, and God breaks the laws of physics. So you could see his hand, his manifestation in it. The dead are not supposed to come back to life. The blind aren't supposed to suddenly be able to see. The lepers aren't supposed to suddenly be cleansed of their leprosy. Jars of oil are not supposed to not run out. It doesn't happen. You're not supposed to be able to walk on the water. You're not supposed to be able to do these things. But these things do happen. Why? Because God is able. God does it. And we need to learn to stop thinking physically. Stop thinking materially. Start thinking spiritually. That God is able. Seas aren't supposed to split. That, that virgins aren't supposed to become pregnant and give birth to Messiah the Christ. But this is the movement of God. This is the hand of God. The blood of one man isn't supposed to be able to atone for the sins of all eternity, of all people, of the whole world. But it wasn't just a man. It was God manifested in the flesh. We need to stop judging after the appearance. There it is. There it is. Stop judging after the appearance. Start judging spiritually. By the word of God, that God says, God God does, God moves, I don't. Uh, rather, I stand still and see the salvation of my Lord. I be still and know that he is God. He provided. The Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, broke the bread. Where do we see this? Where do we see this again? We see this over 
at the Last Supper, and Jesus broke the bread and blessed and gave it. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That he is the bread. He's the living bread. I am the living bread. I am the living water. I am the light of life. I am the breath of life. Did you, did you know that it's interesting that scientifically everything that is needed, food, water, light, and air, these things are needed for life to exist. And these are the exact things that Jesus himself claimed to be for us. Interesting. Very interesting. We see grace has no limit. The blessing of God has no limit. You can't outdo God. God does not run out. His power is not limited. He is infinite. It doesn't matter if you had a day or five trillion days. It doesn't matter if you had one Goliath or seven trillion Goliaths. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter how impossible the situation is. It doesn't matter what is needed. It doesn't matter what's going on. He is able to do it. How many loaves have ye? We see in this as well an example uh, uh, in the Word of God. Jesus says, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. Jesus says, I am the living bread. How many loaves have ye? We see another, another passage we see about the mustard seed. We see these are examples of faith as well. Now we see here how many loaves. How often do you sit down to feast at the bread of our God, of the bread of life, to feast of this, of the spiritual? Because I talk about this, where if you were to eat and drink, if you were to eat and drink as often as you read your Bible and pray, how healthy and strong would you be? If you were to eat and drink as often as you read your Bible and pray to serve the Lord, how healthy and strong would you be? For many, we feast, uh, we feast and feed our flesh and we gorge the flesh and our spirits starve like concentration camp survivors. That if we could if we could see our spirits would they look like concentration camp survivors where every once in a while we just kind of throw them a crumb throw them a crust throw them a little bit we sit down in the morning we read a little bit and that's it we we ignore for the rest of the day or or maybe we only that the spirit only gets to eat once a week on sundays and all the rest of the week that starves that's how we're feeding our spirits. How many loaves have ye? Your, your spiritual storehouse. Your spiritual storehouse. That in your spiritual cupboards. How many loaves have ye stored up? Scriptural memorization. How, how full is your refrigerator in your cupboards? Your pantries. Probably got them all full. Now, now spiritualize it now in your in the spiritual world hypothetically what what does your spiritual pantry and cupboards and fridge look like 
And they sat down by ranks, by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples. Why didn't Jesus go and feed the people? Why didn't Jesus go up go to each of them and hand them the bread and the fish? Why didn't Jesus do it? Rather, we see here that as the word of God says, unto us, unto us is given the message of reconciliation. Jesus says for us, go out and preach the gospel. As example here, the Lord provides everything that is needed. We take it and disperse it. We take and disperse. He gave it to his disciples and they took it to the people. He gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. They did all eat and were filled. Over 5,000 people. How is this possible? Well, it's not. It's not possible. Scientifically, it's not possible. Logically, physic, phys, physical logic, it's not possible. Well, that's because this physical world is not all there is. Unlike what Richard Dawkins and all of them, all those crazy people would have you think, what the evolutionists would have you think, we did, we, the, 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 the matter material didn't just make itself. It didn't just burp itself into existence. We didn't evolve. We were made. We were fashioned. We were created. That, that, that something has to make something. That nothing makes nothing. Nothing can't make something. There has to be something there. Where did that something come from? You see, the atheists and the evolutionists don't want to answer that. Because they can't. Because it, to, to be forced to answer that, they'd have to, be, they'd have to say something would have to be there. Or they would have to be absolutely delusional and lie, like Richard Dawkins and Lawrence Krauss did. And that they said that the literal, empty, nihilistic void of nothingness made matter. That there was literally nothing. And the absolute void of nothingness made matter. They were laughed to scorn. They were at a conference and they said that and the whole audience laughed at them. And they both got really mad. Because it's stupid. If I take an empty jar, vacuum seal it so there's nothing in it. I set that, uh, vacuum seal the jar, set it aside. How long does that vacuum sealed jar have to sit there before suddenly the empty jar materializes matter inside? That's stupid. It's not going to happen. That doesn't happen. That's not a thing. There is a spiritual world. There is something more. I was talking years ago. I was talking to a friend of mine. A good friend of mine. We're still good friends. And uh, uh, we, we were uh, at my at my previous job. We were both working as security guards. And we were at our post. And, and we got talking about uh, religion and spirituality and this kind of stuff. And atheism. He was a, he was a uh, believing atheist. Uh, he believes in evolution. He believes in atheism. And of course, I'm a born-again believer at, the, at that time. This is, wasn't long after I got saved and I was talking with him. And uh, and we got talking and, and I said, okay, tell you what, can, can you explain to me 
what you believe it just kind of in a succinct manner kind of it just roughly what you believe so you say that that you that everything came into existence by the big bang who knows how many million years ago and everything just evolved right he says yeah it was the big bang exploded and, ma and matter went throughout the universe and we evolved on the third rock from the sun okay so i said okay so so hypothetically hypothetically if that were possible if that if that is what is what happened then technically life could evolve on other planets elsewhere in the universe right hypothetically if that's how it happened he's like well yeah of course absolutely i'm like okay um do you uh believe as um stephen hawking the great that the late stephen hawking talked about about how there is other dimensional planes of existence that um that we're here on the third dimensional plane then there's a fourth fifth sixth seventh the other dimensional planes of existence that 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 the the explosion ripped through time and space do you believe that it's then possible that life could have uh, come to be on other dimensional planes of existence he's like well yeah absolutely it's absolutely possible there could be life on an on other dimensional planes of existence i'm like okay then why don't you believe in god heaven and angels aren't they just beings and places on another dimensional plane of existence that we're here on the third dimensional plane the physical realm and they're on what is called the spiritual realm there's another dimension uh, that we can't see but there is life on another dimensional plane of existence it, it why don't you believe that you have never seen a face of absolute sheer bewilderment like he had at that moment <laughs> he didn't know what to say he was completely stunned uh, and i fur i further added on like so you see it's not that god and all, all this don't exist is that you don't like the term god heaven and you don't like religious terminology you are biased against religious terminology because you do believe in the possibility you just don't want it to be god he shifted from atheism to agnostic right there <laughs> from that point forward he he no longer denied the possibility but rather he's open to the possibility and it became a lot easier to witness to him after that and talk to the about these kinds of things with him after that think about it think about it so you see, science itself agrees with the possibility. Just what the world has, has developed is what's called science falsely so-called. And they're trying to find ways to make it not God. Because the people today, they hate him. They don't want him to be true. They don't want this stuff to be possible. They don't want th this stuff to be possible. But it is, because there is a God. There is life elsewhere. There is life after death. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is a God. There is a devil. There is righteousness and salvation. And there's sin and condemnation. This is true because it is. Because the factual truth. This is what it is, what the Word of God says. Jesus did exist, does exist, and will come again. 
And Jesus says that he is the only way, the only truth, the only life. No man comes into the Father but by him. So many people struggle with these things. And they struggle to explain God. Struggle to believe in Jesus. Why? Because they don't have very many loaves. Because they hardly spend any time with the Lord. So they go running after the world. And all of, all of the world's ideas of psychology and philosophy and science explanations. And they're trying to explain the things of God without sitting at the feet of God. If you want to understand the Lord, you need to sit at his feet and ignore everything else. Stop trying to explain God by what you just feel and think and can observe. The textbooks are not going to teach you of Jesus. The universities are not going to teach you of God. Science itself is, does not teach righteousness. If you want to understand truth, you need to go to the source of all truth. There is only one truth. You need to sit at the feet of Jesus. He will feed you the bread. If you're starving for understanding, if you're starving for the truth, you need to go to him which can never dry out or run out. He is the living water. He is the bread of life. He is the light of life. He is the breath of life. You need to go to him and he will give you life life everlasting life to your soul and he will feed you he is the great shepherd who cares as great compassion on his sheep you go to him and they did all eat and were filled they were filled and then jesus tells his disciples something else afterwards jesus says to his disciples go and gather up the fragments which remain because the people ate so much they couldn't finish it and they had leftovers out of five loaves and two fish for 5,000 people. The disciples only had five loaves and two fish amongst the 12 disciples. And Jesus says, go, gather up the fragments. So the disciples go and they spend time and, they, and it takes a while. And they gather up all the fragments. And guess what? You remember we talked about luck, chance, and coincidence and that it doesn't exist. Luck, chance, and coincidence does not exist. Do you think it was just chance, luck, and coincidence that when the disciples gathered up all the rest of the fragments, the 12 disciples went and gathered up the fragments, that they came back with 12 baskets full? What are the chances? What are the odds? Was that just luck, chance, coincidence? Was that just coincidence? Or did Jesus plan that? To teach them a lesson? That they just learned to rely and trust in Him, to trust in Jesus Christ. And when they just trust in Him, have faith in the Lord, faith is refused to panic, they just do what He says, they go and serve the Lord faithfully, and the Lord rewards those that honor Him. Those honor me, I will honor. The Lord blesses those that serve Him. The Lord blesses those that follow Him, those that believe in Him, those who trust in Him with all their heart. What does the Lord do? He rewards. And we see the blessing of God, 12 baskets full. For the 12 disciples 12 is the number of perfect government perfect authority perfect rule there are 12 baskets for 12 disciples given by jesus christ what are the odds what are the odds of that what are the odds of 750 years before Jesus, uh, uh, an old prophet in the land of Israel, 
proclaims by, by the word of God that a virgin will conceive and bring forth a son that shall call his name Emmanuel 750 years before Jesus. What are the odds that that happened? And what are the odds that the child-born son given, that uh, the government should be upon his shoulders, the name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and that this one 750 years later, what did he claim to be? The Almighty God. And proved it by many infallible proofs. What, what are the odds? Isaiah 53, he'll grow up among them as a tender plant as a root of dry ground have no form nor comeliness with which with, with which we would desire of him but he'll be betrayed he'll be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and that that he'll be taken from prison and from judgment he'll be put to death with the wicked his grave with the rich crucified between two thieves the grave of joseph of arimathea rich man's tomb and his days will be prolonged to be resurrected what are the odds 750 years later how about even hundreds of years before that in the time of david king david prophesied how how he'll be pierced through his hands and his feet and his side will be pierced they they will they will uh, get gamble upon his vesture cast lots upon his vesture what happened jesus was crucified he was pierced the roman soldiers took his vesture they cast lots for it what are the odds What are the odds? What are the odds that this is true? That every single thing in this book, from Genesis to Revelation, is 100% true? There's not one single thing in this entire book that's been proven false. There's not one single contradiction. That all, all that's in it, mathematics and science and, and, and astronomy, everything, uh, biology, medical science, everything in this book, the historicity of it, it's 100% proven. It cannot be disproven. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be proven false. What are the odds? That all of the archaeological discoveries that prove the Bible true, the countless, countless, countless discoveries that they keep finding of uh, uh, people, places, things, and events that the Bible mentioned, they find it again and again and again. What are the odds? It's because it's true. It's true. It happened just like it says that where the bible talks about where, where israel is going up against the philistines with you know goliath and david came it talks about they're on the two hills in the valley between that if you go there to this day that valley you will find tons and tons and tons of of, of arrowheads and other uh, archaeological items uh, weapons of warfare and things depicting a great battle took place there you can go to Israel and see King David's tomb. They found a clay seal dating back 2,700 years ago. The time of Isaiah the prophet, they found a clay seal. This is the seal of the prophet Isaiah, dating back to, uh, to uh, 750 years before Jesus. They found a giant stela in Egypt with the whole story of Joseph and how he saved Egypt. Written in Egyptian, dating back to the time of Joseph, just like it says. What are the odds? What are the odds? It's true. It's true. How do you fight back against fear? How do you fight back against worry? How do you fight back against doubt? How do you fight back against these things? By stating the true facts of it. That God is true and there is none else.
There is no other way. There is no other truth. There is no other life. That these things are true. Look into it. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Look at what he says. Look at what God has done. Now look it up and boast about your God. The devils want you to doubt and fear. The flesh wants you to doubt and fear. The world and the, and the, and the wicked peers want you to doubt and fear. But what does God say? Doubt not, fear not, care not, worry not, sorrow not. Be anxious for nothing, but trust in me. Lean upon me. Look to me. Cast your care upon me. When you keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, all these things come to pass. We see in the book of Acts, where the, the one uh, story where, where Paul, uh, the, Paul the Apostle, was arrested and he was being taken over. And they're going across the ship and Eurachlodon, the great storm, the tempestuous wind came and uh, they were caught in the storm. And they didn't know what they were going to do. And so they're casting all their stuff out of the boat to lighten the ship. And they cut off the anchors. They cut the anchors off the ship. So they just let the, the wind drive the ship. Otherwise, they're going to capsize and uh, be wrecked at sea. So they cut off the anchors. And we see what happened, how they uh, came up against the, the sand. And the ship bound. And the ship was being busted up. And they, so they jumped overboard and came. And they finally were on an island. Well, guess what? They found the anchors. <laughs> they found the anchors. Dating back to the time of Paul, anchors from a, from a Roman ship at the exact place that the Bible says that they cut the anchors off, they found the anchors, and the anchors are now in a museum on that island. You can go see them. It's all true, folks. It's all true. The great shepherd, the everlasting God, the almighty father, our Lord Jesus Christ, our savior, our redeemer, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, the, the God of Samuel, the God of Samson, the God, the, the God of Adam, the, the God of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the God of Esther, Hannah, Anna, Hulda, the God of Mary, Martha, the God of Miriam, the, the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible is alive. He's real, he's true, he's living, and he cares about us. He has great compassion on us. He came down, manifested in the flesh as Jesus. He told us, he taught us, he showed us, he gave us his words. And he says, and I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. My word is preserved unto all generations. All you gotta do is say, yes, Lord, I believe. And trust in him with all thine heart. And lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. It's true. It's true. It, to even the kings in the book of Kings, all the way down through, guess what? They have found uh, uh, clay seals. They have found tablets and stones and, and all kinds of, of stuff. that The names of kings and battles and places and things. Just like the Bible says that so-and-so reigned and begat so-and-so. They find these dating back to, it's all true. It's backed up. How many proofs of the Bible do you need before you'll accept it as truth? That's the question I'm coming to here. With all everything I said, this is the point. How many proofs of the scripture do you need before you'll accept it as true? Before you'll stop doubting, 
before you'll stop stop fearing before you'll stop questioning God, before you start start questioning his veracity, before you start questioning his promises, before you stop questioning it all, and you just accept it as true. You just say 100%, yes, it's all true. It's all true. It's all true. It's all true. Say it. Say it with me. It's all true. God cannot lie. Jesus is God. God formed Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life and created a living soul. It's true. Noah in the ark. Daniel in the lion's den. Moses in Egypt. Joshua in the promised land. Samson, the prophet Samuel, the mighty judges, the great kings, King David, David and Goliath, Isaiah the prophet, Jeremiah the prophet, John the Baptist, Jesus, the apostles, the early church. It's all true. It's all true. You ask yourself, why would you not believe it? What good reason would you have to deny the veracity of the scriptures? Who says it's not true? The godless, the fearful, the unbelieving, the pagans, the heathens, the unbelievers, those who hate God, those who believe that they came into existence by a, by a nihilistic space burp and they evolved from a pool of dino snot or something. They say they make up lies and they lie and they manipulate and they twist and they say you're just an animal. You're just an animal. You have no more value than the dirt you walk on, as Richard Dawkins says. You're just you're just a cosmic accident. You have no value. There is no life after. You, you just evolved. Who would say that? Who would make up those kinds of things? Who would fight against the word of God? But the arch nemesis of God. Who would want you to doubt God, call him a liar, and say that these things that God said and did are not true? Who would want you to say that? That's because hell is true. Satan is real. The devils are real. Sin is real. And these things hate God, hate the truth, and they preach lies and manipulation and delusions and deceptions. Satan appears even as an angel of light to deceive the people. <coughs> Excuse me. God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. But he is clear and concise and true. And his ways are beyond our understanding. That we look to him and we see who he is and what he's capable of doing. And what does this drive us to do but kneel at his feet and say, Yes, Lord, I believe. And we don't fear because we know that God is able. We know that God is able. So what do we do? What is, what is the lesson for us? The lesson for us is as we have placed our faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, 
for salvation from our sins, that we believe in the gospel. Oh, can you hear me? Hello? The video just cut out for some reason. Okay, just hold, hold on one second. The video cut out. All right. Hello, hello. Can you see me? Can you hear me? I think I may have figured out what's going on. Just before I even shut it all down. <clears throat> Okay, something glitched in the tech. I don't know what's going on. Somehow it all glitched. I think it should be working now. Oh, well. Okay, we're back. <laughs> you know, you'll note, if you actually go back and look at uh, a number of, of our different uh, videos that we've done every time i get talking about stuff like this especially spiritual warfare when i get into strong gospel messages spiritual warfare discussions these kinds of things quite often we have a lot of technical issues technical problems what are the odds that that happens especially especially when we talk about spiritual warfare that that happens now, oh, well, what do we do? Keep going. Ignore it. Fear not, doubt not, worry not, care not, fret not. Just keep going. Just keep going. Okay. Where'd I leave off? Where'd I, where'd I leave off? Okay. Um, the lesson. The lesson for us. The lesson for us from all of this, in all of this, is as you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ for your salvation. As you trust in Jesus, you believe in the gospel, you believe in, in the story of the gospel for your salvation. You believe in this, that this is true. As the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the story of God's salvation. I'd like to ask you folks this question. Why would you believe the gospel of God, but not believe the rest of it? Why do you believe the gospel, but doubt the rest of it? Why do you believe the gospel, but call into question the veracity of the rest of God's story? Why would you do that? Why would a person do that? To, to question the veracity of God in everything else that he's done, but you don't question the veracity of the gospel itself. It's something to think about. We say that the cross is true, the resurrection is true, the works of Jesus Christ are true, but not the creation account. The story of Jesus is true, but not Daniel in the lion's den. The story of Jesus is true, but not Noah in the ark. The story of Jesus is true, but not Moses in, in Egypt. The story of Jesus is true, but not... Why would we do that? So what we see here is learning to cast away all of our preconceptions. 
everything that you thought you knew is wrong. And you, and you need to unlearn the lies. And you need to learn the truth. There's only one truth. There's only one true reality. There's only one way, one truth, one life. Everything else that you thought you knew is wrong. Because this is the only truth. What this says. What this says, how it says, is 100% true. Think about it. Who would be the kind of people, that? who would be the, the individuals, what kind of person would deny it? So you think about this. So Jesus says, come sit at my feet. I am the good shepherd. I am the great shepherd. I will look after you. Just trust me. Believe in me. They did all eat. And they took up, uh, verse 43, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. And they did eat of the loaves they were about they, they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. Now we hear that we hear it say the feeding of the five thousand, the feeding of the seven thousand. You know he did it twice, right? So we say, well, that's a contradiction. No, no, he did it twice. One time there's five thousand, other time there's seven thousand. It's not not it's not a contradiction. It's two separate events. He fed five thousand, fed seven thousand. But no, no, what it says in verse forty four. It's also why it's important to pay attention to the specific words in verse 44, Mark 6. They And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. Um, men. That's not including the women and the children. That's not including the women and the children. Uh, let's say... Each of the men were married. That so that's ten thousand people. That's ten thousand. If each of the five thousand men were married, had wives, that's ten thousand. Then you got kids on top of that. So you got. You have a huge, massive multitude. Do you see that? It wasn't just five thousand people. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. So he feeds the people. Look, the lesson he's showing his disciples is to worry not. Worry not. Like the gathering demoniac, like the storm on the sea. Worry not. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, where he sent away while he sent away the people. You see, he looks after the issue because his disciples are supposed to be resting. Well, he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. People say, well, Jesus is God, then why does he pray? <sighs> you realize the word pray is an old English word that, uh, that means holding a conversation. In Old English, if I wanted to talk to you, I would say, I pray ye. You're praying to that person? 
The word pray just means holding a conversation. Invitation to discourse. That's just what it means. So Jesus is having a conversation with the Father. Okay? He departed into Mount to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea. It was in the middle of the sea. And he alone on the land. And he saw them. He saw them. He watched. And he watched. He saw them toiling. It says toiling. That's trying. They're trying to row, trying to row, trying to row. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them. So in the middle of the night, he waits into the middle of the night. He cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, walking on the water. And would have passed by them. This walking along and would have just walked right on past. But when they saw him walking on the water, walking on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and they cried out. They're in such a, such a state that they don't know what's going on. There's such a, a wind coming up, waves and, and you know, the white caps are over, over washing the boat and they're trying to row. And, the, and then they look over and they just see someone walking on the water. They, and they think it's a spirit. And they cried out. That means to cry out in terror and fear. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them. Immediately. Important words. Words are important. Immediately. Why? God gives us not the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Worry not, care not, fear not. What's the lesson he's trying to show them? What, how, how fast, how, how quickly they forgot the previous lesson when they were on the sea in the storm and he was asleep in the bow of the ship. He was sleeping in the boat, and then he stood up, calmed it all down, and showed them. He showed them with the, with the demoniac. He showed them with the crowds. He showed them with the with the feeding. Worry not, fear not. Here they go again, in the middle of the sea, in a storm, fearing again. And what does he say? Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Be not afraid, it is I. It is I, it's me. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And he walked to the ship on the water. People say, well, it was just shallow in that area. No, 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 it wasn't. It was the middle of winter, and it was ice. No, 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 it wasn't. Well, it was, there was a shoal there. He must have been walking on. Nope, nope. There must have been rocks. Nope. You see, people try to explain away the events of the Bible because they don't believe in the spiritual reality. So they're trying to explain the Bible through the lens of just physicality, physical laws and, phys and physics that it, it, it has to be just physical material explanation. There has to be a reasonable explanation. Well, there is a reasonable explanation, but you're not going to like it. It's that Jesus is God, there is a God, and there's a spiritual reality, and this physical world is not all there is. Oh, you're one of those fairy tale people. Well, well, 
okay. I believe in God made, and we have all the proof of this. You believe in fairy tales because you believe that that the black, empty, nihilistic nothing, it magically, spontaneously created matter, and you evolved from melted rocks that melted because of the acid rain, and the, and the acid rain melted rocks that turned into stone soup, and the stone soup magically created living cells out of stone soup, and somehow these cells started splitting and dividing, and somehow developed both male and female and somehow had enough food and and water and light and oxygen and somehow turned into minnows it turned into salamanders turned into frogs it turned into reptiles it turned into monkeys that turned into you so tell me who's the fairy tale but we see that there's evidence for this is no evidence for any of their nonsense it is i be not afraid i am with you be not afraid. I'm with you whithersoever thou goest. I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And he went up went up unto them into the ship. So Jesus walked over to the boat in the middle of the sea. Walked over to the boat. Stepped in the boat. And immediately the wind ceased. Now you realize this happened a few times. We have the event where Jesus is in the boat. And he's sleeping, and the disciples are all afraid, and the storm, and, G- and they wake him up, and Jesus stands up, peace, be still, and the storm stops. That's that's event one. Event two, here. Event three. Where Peter remembers these events. They're in the middle of the sea on the boat. There's a storm. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. Peter steps out of the boat onto the water. And they're they're in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm. Peter steps out of the boat onto the water. And Peter walks on the water. Starts walking towards Jesus. But he looks over and he sees the storm and, and gets afraid again and starts to sink. And Jesus reaches out and grabs him and they walk back to the boat. And as it says in the Bible, that when Jesus stepped in the boat... They were in the middle of the sea. Then when Jesus stepped in the boat, they were immediately at dry land. How that they, they were in the middle of the sea. He steps in the boat and they're immediately at dry land. How that happened? What happened there? What is that? And Philip the evangelist, when he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, they both went down into the water and he baptized him. And as they were coming up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip and he was found in the city of Azotus. Well, that's just not possible. Oh, there has to be an explanation for that. No, they, they, they just weren't paying attention and, and they thought he was on the water, but they were close to the shore and Jesus walking on the shore and they thought he was on the water and so he was trying to get them to calm down. So Peter, when he stepped, he was actually stepping in shallow water. No. No. These are all excuses that I have personally heard other people use. No. They're in the middle of the sea. Uh, these are these are sailors. They live on the water. They grew up on the water. They know about ships. They know about storms. They know about water. They knew where they were. They were not stupid, ignorant troglodytes. They knew exactly what was going on. They're in the middle of the sea, in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the sea. Jesus is walking on the water, and suddenly they're at dry land. 
What happened? God moved them. God moved them. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what is going on. Faith is refusal to panic. Faith is refusal to panic. Faith is believing that when I can't see how it's possible, that's when he does the supernatural. That's when he does the supernatural. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered that now it's all coming to them. Just the sheer mighty power of Jesus Christ. The sheer mighty power. They were sore amazed beyond measure. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their, for their hearts were hardened. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Genesaret and drew to the shore. They got that they they were just so taken with just physicality materialism that it just it wasn't making sense they just did, weren't getting it weren't getting it weren't getting it and finally finally this got through to them they stopped thinking physically because this has no physical explanation you can't explain this one away you can't explain this one away When they had passed over, they were still in the middle of the sea. See that? And they, they, they sailed and got into the other side. And they came to Genesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew they knew him and ran, uh, ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds uh, those that were sick that were uh, where they heard he was. So they came to the shore and people saw him and they started bringing people, all the towns out of all the cities, all their sick and all the diseased and all the ailing. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might even touch as if it were the border of his garment because they heard the story about that woman. Remember the woman who just touched the hem of his garment and she was healed? That went around and they knew this, that there is such power with Jesus Christ that they might even touch as if it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. As many as believed on him were made whole. As many as believed on him were made whole. What's the lesson? That's the end of chapter 6. What, what do we take out of this? What do we take from this? What do you take from it? Either it's true... Or it's not either he is God or he's a fraud either it's all true or none of it is either God is able or he's not his promises are true or he's a liar Either he promises to be with me always, that he'll forgive my sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, or he's not. That he is my advocate, my mediator, my intercessor, or he's not. Either my sins are forgiven or they're not. 
Either I'm saved or I'm not. Either he died on the cross, is buried, and rose again, or he didn't. Either he rose again, or he's dead in the grave. It's either or. There's no in-between. It's either or. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground, nebulous, gray area where you can kind of fit it together and, and, and muck in and try to fashion your own form. No. It's either is or it isn't. It either is or it isn't. You must decide. Either he's your shepherd or he's not. He's your savior or he's not. He's Jesus Christ or he's not. Which is it? Some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say you're Elias. Some say you're one of the prophets. Some say, but Jesus then says, but whom say ye that I am? Whom say ye that I am? I've told you who I am. I've shown you who I am by many infallible proofs, Jesus says. By many infallible proofs. I've shown you my miracles. I've shown you my works. I've taught you. I've told you. Whom say ye that I am? How many proofs do you need until you acknowledge that it's true? What good reason can you give to invalidate the word of God? Mark chapter 6. There you go. All right, sorry for the technical issues. I don't know what happened. Uh, we had a glitch and it froze the feed. So sorry about that. There's that little bit of a issue in the middle there. So hopefully that won't cause too much of a problem. I hope you understand. Uh, all right, so making sure there's nothing here that I missed. Okay, so, um, okay, ta uh, so Quinn has a, has a point here. I'm afraid, though, I haven't been fully saved. I have temptations. No, see, there, I want to explain something just a moment. You are saved. But salvation does not mean salvation from oppression, persecution, and temptation. It's salvation from the condemnation of sin. From the condemnation. You are saved from damnation. You are born again. Your, your, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You, you have everlasting life. You are born again saved. But as we see as well in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul gives an explanation and talks about the dual nature, where the dual nature now that you have is you are your soul is born again saved, your flesh is not. The flesh is condemned to die. The flesh is corrupted by sin. The flesh, which has sin, the flesh longs after the earthly things and sinful things and, and wicked things. And in your spirit, you know what's wrong. You have the conviction of the Spirit of God, but your flesh opposes. The flesh wants to live in sin, but you know it's wrong, so you oppose it. That shows the conviction of the Spirit of God. You are born again saved. Apostle Paul talks about the things I want to do, I can't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do, I wretched men that I am. And he talks about, I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for, uh, for it is not I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. With the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. So we see 
this is where the promises of God that it that you're held in his hand and you can't uh, you can't be plucked out he holds you that when we do sin it and if any man sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous who will forgive us our sins if we but confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness we were not promised that we would not have temptations we were not promised that that we wouldn't have troubles and trials and afflictions we are promised that he will hold us despite it. He will keep he'll keep us despite it. He'll be with us regardless, and that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that our stupidity, our sin, our mistakes, our failings, our weaknesses cannot remove the Spirit of God from us. That the sheep, no matter what the sheep do, the shepherd will not deny the sheep. He will not he will not reject the sheep. That when the sheep keep wandering, he will pick up the sheep and carry the sheep. And it he will he will never reject his sheep but rather the sheep know his voice they know that the the conviction of the shepherd they know when the shepherd calls they know the voice of the shepherd my sheep hear my voice and i know them they follow me and i give unto them eternal life you're held in my hand and no man can pluck you out that means you can't pluck yourself out of the hand of god either this is the promise of the lord we all still have our temptations. We all still have our problems and issues. We all still sin and make mistakes. We all do. There isn't one single person who's a born-again Christian who doesn't. There are crazy, insane, delusional people who say, well, I'm sinless, I don't sin. But you just sinned by lying. So, all sin. But the point is that we are saved from the condemnation of our sins. And now the Spirit of God is within us. He will teach us and convict us and instruct us regarding righteousness and sin and how, how to oppose sin and how to follow righteousness. And if we do sin, how to repent and get ourselves right. He will never deny us. He'll never reject us. You are born again saved. What you're seeing now is the, is the dichotomy, that the, the, the difference between now the flesh and the spirit. It's like there's two people inside of you now. Two natures. That's what the word of God talks about. Okay, uh, yeah, you hear everything difference. Yep, amen, amen. <clears throat> and that God does not hate you. No, God does not hate because as we see, God so loves the world. That he went to the cross for you. Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. We are the children of God. He doesn't hate his children. He doesn't hate his children. God hates sin, but he doesn't hate his children. He, he, he hates the sin, and that when his children mistake, he says he chastises. That means, that means loving parental discipline. Loving parental discipline. As a loving parent would correct their disobedient children, that's what he does with us. We are his children. He's not going to beat us down and hate us and despise us. No, God, the God of the Bible is not Allah or one of the other pagan gods. Our God is a loving, merciful, gracious, compassionate God. where He will, he will hold us and teach us, instruct us, and help us. We need not worry or fear. This is what scripture says. He doesn't hate you. He will never hate you. He'll never hate you. Only the devil, only the enemy would try to tell you this. They whisper in your mind these lies and delusions. Reject those. Reject that. Rebuke that. 
believe in the word of god do not believe your feelings your feelings do not dictate fact facts are not guided by feelings and facts don't care about your feelings the fact of the word of god is this my feelings do not dictate reality and truth oh i don't feel like god is near me well your feeling is lying because jesus says i am always with you i'm with you always even to the end of the world i will never leave you nor forsake you i i love you i will always be with you my spirit lives inside of you ephesians 3 17 john 14 15 and 16 the holy ghost the comforter the holy spirit the spirit of christ which which is in the heart of every believer will teach us always be with us always even to the end of the world uh, uh we see that in ephesians 4 30 we need not we need not fear the fact is this we we uh, dispel fears and doubts and worries with truth with fact this is what it is this this is reality what this says not what I think or feel anyone else says. Circumstances do not dictate reality and truth. Truth dictates truth. And there's only one way, one truth, one life. Brother Matthew, you need to, uh, Quinn says, uh, you need to be on the stage of Joel Osteen. You have, you have a gift, you have a truth. Uh, I'm not the truth. I speak the truth of Christ. And... Hey, if I was ever invited onto stage, you can be you can be sure that 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 uh, audience is going to get an earful like they've never heard before. Uh, it's just truth what the word of God says. I believe in Jesus Christ 100%. I believe in the word of God 100%. That that from from cover to cover, even the cover because the cover has my name. Uh, so I I believe everything that is in the word of God. It's all true. What happens when you believe it's all true? You're going to speak only the truth. And it's the truth. And what and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Is the, is the truth of God frees us from our doubts and fears. We just believe what it says regardless of what's going on, what others are saying, or, or what's happening. Uh, Quinn says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9. Amen. Amen. 100%. Amen. Exactly. Exactly. What does the word of God say? What does the word of God say? Okay. Uh, purely says Proverbs 3 5 to 6 lean not on your own understanding but acknowledge God in all your ways he'll direct your path amen amen okay and okay that's where the feed glitched all weird and we're back okay okay Okay, and uh, sorry for all the writings. I got a little excited. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. See, this is where we got to remember what the Lord says. That our our Lord is not surprised by anything. You cannot surprise God. You cannot catch him off guard. He sees all, knows all, all-powerful, and he holds us in his mighty, infinite, all-powerful hand. We are his children. He says, I'm with you always. 
And the Lord says, worry not, fear not, doubt not, care not, fret not, be anxious or nothing. That when that when the a parent's child is it gets worked up, what does the parent say? It's okay. It's okay. Calm down. It's okay. We get all worked up and all worked up and frustrated and anxious about things and, and fears and other and what is what does the parent say? What does our, our almighty father say? It's okay. Calm down. I'm here. It is I. Be not afraid. I'm here. Be not afraid. Well, I don't know how to feed them. I'm here. Be not afraid. The gathering demoniac. I'm here. Be not afraid. But the crowds and the enemy. I'm here. Be not afraid. Well, I don't know how to explain the situation. The, these, all these questions I have and the, and these, and the fears I have. Worry not. Fear not. I'm here. Be not afraid. God has an answer for literally anything and everything you could ever have. You could ever wonder about any question you could ever ask, he has an answer for it. He has an answer for it. Hard job? Search the scriptures. Study. Believe them. What does it say? Trust in him. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in anything else. What does the word of God say? Worry not. Fear not. He is here. He is here. He is with you. He is with you always. His spirit is within you. He will never leave you never forsake you he will never let you go he will never deny you he will never cast you away he will never hate you he will never be angry with you he loves you he will correct you he, he'll guide you he'll instruct you worry not fear not doubt not faith is refusal to panic amen so Consider this. What is the lesson for you? What do you take from this? What I would like you to do is to take the, this message of Mark 6, what we just finished up. I'd like you to consider all these things that you've heard. And I would like you to go and pray about that. Ask the Lord. Say, dear Lord Jesus, would you please teach me? That by your Holy Spirit, would you teach me? Would you guide me and help me? Help me to understand these things. Answer my questions, please. Help me. And he will. All who come to him, he'll no wise cast out. As Jesus says, what kind of father, if his son came and asked for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? When he asked for bread, would he give him a stone? But ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. But ask, and you will receive. The Lord will teach you. He will guide you. You must be patient. You must be patient, sit at his feet, and learn the lessons one word at a time. And he will guide you, he will help you. Watch what happens. All right, so there we go. And uh, again, folks, I just want to mention real quick, uh, please remember, I will not be here tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, Saturday, the 27th, August 27th, I won't be here. Uh, we're going to be gone for the day. Um, uh, and uh, won't be doing a Q&A. Uh, it's going to be postponed to the next week and uh um yeah so again if you appreciate these studies please give us a like give us a thumbs up make sure you subscribe hit notification bell icons so you know we put up new videos and check out all our other videos we get tons and tons of other content and fyi i also found another great channel well it's great so far so far they haven't said anything stupid or false teachings or anything um and uh, that they're a great channel where they are discovering 
incredible uh, archaeological discoveries proving the Bible true. Like some of the things I talked about earlier, they're actually discovering some of these things and showing you where, where the Bible talks about this and they're showing you the stuff. And so I, I'm saving a bunch of their videos in a play in our playlist, proving the Bible true. That's what the playlist is called, proving the Bible true. Tons and tons of other videos, uh, that kind of stuff. So please make sure you check that out. Um, fantastic stuff. So it's really exciting to see this. And yeah, so as well, folks, please make sure you check out our website, ChristianCoffeeTime.ca. And we've got links to all our other platforms and goodies, as well as free downloadable gospel track PDFs. Please make sure you take advantage of that. And as well, it has uh, contact us uh, in there. And uh, so, yeah. And as well, uh, Quinn, uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear from you. If you could send us an email, you could contact us through our website. Send us an email. I'd love to get in touch with you. Um, and uh, I'll... I uh, got some stuff to share with you if you're interested. So uh, please send us an email as well. And if anyone else has any questions or would like someone to talk to, you could do so by contacting, contacting us through our website. Or if you follow me on Instagram, uh, you can follow, follow me there. I have, uh, it's at 2core21. That's 2cor2 underscore 1. That's 2cor2 underscore 1. And you follow me on Instagram. If I'm not on here, if that's pretty much where I live. So there you go. So with that, we're going to wrap that up there. Again, folks, thank you so much for joining in. God bless you. And thank you for praying that uh, we got the technical issues fixed. So hope that wasn't too much of a problem. I hate distractions. I hate it when tech does that. It's one thing I can't stand is when tech does that. But oh, well, just roll with it. All right. So there we go. So God bless you, folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love and believe in his holy word. Hope to see you again, folks. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.